Welcome to the Buck Stops here, the official podcast of NotInHallOfFame.com, and I'm your host, the Buck, Kirk Buckner, owner, operator of NotInHallOfFame.com, and hey, check out the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's season one, episode eight of the Hall of Fame show, and that's what, and what we do always is look at the various halls of fame and the news that surrounds them. The Pro Football Hall of Fame has announced that there's going to be two uh, different classes, one for the Centennial Slate and then one for the regular group group. Uh, a few thoughts on that. I'm, I wonder if it's sort of like creating a B team. Uh, Evan Nolan, who's back with us, has a different perspective on that. Uh, we also look at Darren Sproles, who on TMZ said that he is a Hall of Famer. Is he? A lot of people said that he's not almost right away, but I think he's got a better case than maybe you would initially think. Bella Twins are going to the WWE Hall of Fame. We touched on that last week, but it's now made official since we last spoke. In baseball, Kurt Flood is uh, getting a little bit of a push from Congress to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. For those of you who don't know who Kurt Flood is, uh, we'll sort of explain why his case is actually a lot bigger than you think. And uh, finally, we touched a little bit on the world of hockey. A New York Post article talked about how there should be teams in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Evan and I don't agree with that, but as always, it sort of goes into interesting discussions. And also, as always, we go on to tangents that have absolutely nothing to do with the world of sports. Without further ado, it's episode eight, and here's Evan Nolan. Mr. Nolan, how are you, sir? I am. Uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm, I'm doing pretty well. My uh, my Dungeons and Dragons thing uh, from last week. Uh, the it was absolutely one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Uh, it was like 36. 100 people who are geeking out in the same thing in the same room. Um, we all violated that PCU. Do you remember the movie PCU? God, From yeah. Back in the day? Yeah, shit. That, that, was, that was before they, Jeremy Piven got his hairpiece. Yeah, it was, well, that was Jeremy Piven was the, was the you know young troublemaker, and then like four years later, here's the dean in old school. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, they had that line in, the, in PCU saying, uh, don't, wear, don't be that guy, don't wear the t-shirt of the band you're going to go see that was clearly in violation because everybody was either in, co- in cosplay or wearing the t-shirt of the uh of the D group but it was it was fabulous except for the fact the theater apparently had never sold out before and it took us like two and a half hours or took us two hours to get into the uh theater fortunately they they got everyone uh in the show held it for us but it was it was fantastic if albeit cold it was like 20 degrees outside uh, while we're waiting, but it was uh, it was pretty amazing. But I got home at three thirty in the morning, so I'm pretty goddamn tired. But other than that, I'm fine. How are you? Uh, it's well, twenty degrees in Chicago. So if it was minus twenty, that means uh, you know Jesse Smollett would be attacked. Oh man! <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we're starting already. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Well, no, for, for, for me, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same old, same old life in the tropics. I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Cause I don't know how much longer mm-hmm. it's going to be that way. I have a feeling it'll be back. It's probably another 12 months and then back to Canada or maybe in your neck of the woods, anywhere where there's a fair amount, it's possible. Wow. Well, um, you'll get to enjoy uh, our political process in that case. So congratulations on that. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of happy to sort of uh, Enjoy it as an observer, uh, although I'd never be a participant because uh, I'll always remain a Canadian citizen. But yeah, just watching it from this from this angle—that's sort of uh, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've I've always voted, but I've always been a bit of an observer too because I've never lived in a place where my vote is counted. Because I've lived in Massachusetts, Washington D.C., and and Illinois. So regardless as a Republican or a Democrat, my vote didn't make any determination who's going to win or who is going to get the electoral votes, votes for president. Uh, so yeah, I've, it, I've been part of the process, but my vote has never really meant anything. Yeah, so. But the one thing, though, that U.S. politics has over Canadian politics, you can at least vote for many different things. In Canada, you're voting for your member of parliament, which is the same as your prime minister. You can't separate the two. Mm, right. So at least you can say your vote counted in a lot of other ways. In Canada, you that's can't do true. that at all. So that's that's one that's thing you've, you've got on us by, by a wide margin. All right. Well, 
Yeah, it's still it's still like a uh, less insane political process. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But you know, it's funny. So last week uh, I, we were wondering what we were going to talk about, and you know, I keep finding things. Mm-hmm. And so actually, there's a bit a bit of stuff going on with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So they've announced that there's going to be two ceremonies, uh, one for the regular doc or one for the regular class, and then a one later in mid September which kind of makes it feel like the B team. And that's for the Centennial class. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, I was reading one article in a Philadelphia uh, publication or Philadelphia uh, uh, paper online where they're pretty much saying how they they feel like Harold Carmichael was getting disrespected. And I don't know that they're necessarily wrong. You know, like I don't see why they can't do it all in, in one big ceremony. Am I wrong here? But I I think they were always talking about doing two ceremonies. So I just, I think the difference is we thought they were doing two ceremonies on like two consecutive days before, because they were always separating the two of them out. It's, it's, uh, what I think is weirder about this one. And, and I understand, I understand the, the argument with Carmichael and them being disrespected, but they're having a big hundredth, hundredth anniversary celebration on that date. So that's mm-hmm. going to be part of that hundredth anniversary celebration, which makes sense if you're doing the hundredth anniversary class, right? Um, but what weirder to me is that they're not doing it five and 15. They're doing it 10 and 10. Mm. So the five modern candidates got elected and then they're going to do the two coaches and the three contributors on that first day. And then the 10 players on the second day. That one I, I kind of understood because I figured that's why they were, they were not going to like separate uh, Cower and Johnson on that. Right, but I mean, if for for back to your conspiracy theory about that uh, they only put Cower and Johnson in because they're on TV, it makes them seem like they have more more favored nation status again in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it I it, it feels weird to have if it was the five and the fifteen, I think it would feel less weird to people than ten and ten and mm-hmm. separating it out so the two people who people had issue with getting in early are still getting in with the normal Hall of Fame festivities. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes it makes total sense. Uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe it's just a bit that I, I kind of wish they would do this all in one thing, and I get why they're doing it. I still wish it would all be in, like, one big thing, because they're all Hall of Famers, but you know, right. that, that, I'm, I'm nitpicking. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean if, if they'd done it in a weekend, because doing 20 in a day... It's a lot. Let's be honest. But if, if they did, if they did like ten and ten over the course of a weekend, I don't think anybody's gonna be that upset about that. Because just doing twenty, doing ten one weekend and ten another weekend, is is the basis for like making it seem like it's a beat game. Well, it's all. It also gives them a chance to sell more tickets. Well, yeah, and that's something they need. So, not as much as the basketball Hall of Fame, but. Revenue is revenue. Well, true. That is true. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the NFL definitely needs to sell more tickets. Thing is, they're going to add that 17th game apparently, and uh, and a playoff game that nobody wants. So. Yeah, I hope. I, I looks. I'm sure that's going to like uh, go through through the players' union. I wish it doesn't. Uh, I like it just the way it is. But why listen to the fans? I now? mean, I mean, who who didn't really want that Steelers team in the playoffs this year? I mean, that Steelers team was just, Josh Dobbs was, you know, just the quarterback we all needed to see in a playoff game against Mahomes and the Chiefs. Well, isn't that the same team that once had Bubby Brister in a playoff game? I, the, I'm sure. If, uh, the, I don't remember Bubby Brister specifically being in a playoff game, but yes, he's not even close to the worst quarterback I can remember in a playoff game. The Houston Texans in multiple years started, what, T.J. Yates, they start Brock Osweiler. Like, they had some terrible QBs who brought them to the playoffs as well. Connor, there was that one a couple years ago. Was it uh, TJ, was it TJ Acer or Oswald? I can remember against Connor Cook. Who was the, uh, the Raiders QB? But they're not named Bubby. Game. They don't have the name of Bubby. Okay. I don't know. I mean, Bub- Bubby's a tough name. True. But, yeah. I think I think I'd take Bubby Brister over Brock Osweiler as a quarterback. Though. You know, you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, and dropping that that uh, you know that that fourth uh, preseason game like that's going to make a lick of difference to the players' health. But 
Well, it's going to make a difference to the guys who are like on the edges of the of the team, but I mean, not a ton. So, well, if, if the XFL survives, there you go. There's your minor system. Yeah, well, they need they need quarterbacks. But the XFL, I've watched a few games. Just the quarterback play is so atrocious, which is understandable because there's a lot of atrocious quarterback play in the NFL too. And you're, if you're in a minor league, you're dealing with people who can't make the NFL. They're going to be worse. But uh, that, that, I think, is going to be the biggest problem that league has. So, so yeah, we, we may not even get to that XFL Hall of Fame. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> if they do, it'll be interesting who McMahon decides to get in. So. <laughs> I'm trying to... Yeah, yeah so in this, the Centennial class will have Tommy Maddox. Oh, there we go. That would be nice. That so. and Rod Smart. Mm. Although he I, hate me, he hate me. Although the one thing though, the XFL did. I mean, it did. It did sort of. Uh, I mean, you notice like uh, baseball does that that weekend uh, every year now, where they got the colorful nicknames on the back. Right. Yeah, they have they have the nicknames on the back as a way to think. Oh, hey, we're promoting our players because nobody does a worse job promoting their players than MLB, um, which is saying something. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was interesting. The other thing that came out of the XFL is that Skycam. Yes. That Skycam's been an awesome invention. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but the, the XFL also is a chance for the league to try out what something would look like. So some of the rules, the XFL with a 1.2 point, three point plays, uh, I don't think is going to catch on the NFL, but it's at least a way to see what it looks like. Uh, and, and see how it works in real life and have some real data on it. But like all things like that, that's a great thing for a minor league to try out. Mm-hmm. So, no, and it's, it's actually um, a lot more enjoyable than the first incarnation, which shows how old I am that I remember the first incarnation. I, I remember it as well. I was in college at the time, so. Oh my God. Uh, so, so yeah, going, sticking with the pro football hall of fame. So on TMZ, uh, about a week ago, uh, someone I never really thought of as a hall of, as a potential Hall of Famer says that he is, although he's pretty humble about it. So he wasn't coming out and bragging about it to to uh, their defense. I mean, it's it's guerrilla reporting by TMZ. Uh, so like, hey, are you a Hall of Famer? Well, I think I am, uh, but you know, it's up to uh, everyone else to decide. Uh, and that was Darren Sproles. Yeah, um, I mean, Sproles' main argument is the fact he's fifth all-time mm-hmm. in all-purpose yards in NFL history. Um, he did lead. The, he only led the league once, I think back in 2011 with the Saints. He would led the league in all-purpose yards. Um, but overall, I mean, he's, he's fifth all-time. And the guys in front of him, uh, three of the four are, are Hall of Famers. It's Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, and Emmitt Smith. The other one, who's actually second all-time, in yards in NFL history is Brian Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hasn't sniffed the Hall of Fame and has had a few legal troubles, so that may make it a little difficult for him. Um, uh, and uh, But it's it's an interesting argument, at least. If you're in the top five in NFL history in a major statistical category now, I don't know if you've actually gone through – well, I know you do awards, but how, how important it is to be a yards leader – but if you if you're around long enough to do that, you at least going to have an argument, right? I, I would think so. And and one thing that I sort of like about Sproles uh, as opposed to Mitchell or other returners, uh, Sproles' uh, yards from scrimmage uh, is over eight thousand. So mm-hmm. that's that's not a bad amount. I mean, I know numbers are inflated more than they used to be, but in terms of when you look at some of these great returners. They weren't putting up the those uh, those, those uh, YFS yards like Sproles right. did. But, well, I mean, someone who's coming up—I don't know if it's next—it's not next year. I think it's the year after. Is Devin Hester who's going to be eligible for the first time? Mm-hmm. And around here in Chicago, they're all convinced he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Not, not, not even uh, close. I, I I understand. I'm just telling you what they're saying right yeah. now on the radio around here. Yeah, Billy White, Hughes Johnson isn't in. I have trouble seeing Hester get in, but. Anyway, um, but Hester is a completely one-dimensional player. Uh, he couldn't catch well, They couldn't get him to run a route the correct way. They ran a few sweeps and stuff for him, but he was just dynamic. You put, punt him a football, kick him a football, and he was completely dynamic. Sproles is what Hester wishes he could be. 
I mean, Hester was a better returner than Sproles. Sproles was still a hell of a returner, but he couldn't do anything else. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, Hester couldn't do anything else. Sproles can, do, could do absolutely everything and do absolutely everything well. And he did it for not just one team, but he did it on he had three major parts of his career in mm-hmm. San Diego, uh, New Orleans, and Philly. Um, so it wasn't just, he wasn't a system guy. He was a guy who had made an impact on a whole bunch of teams. And, and honestly, he was a guy, if you uh, were in a PPR league for fantasy football, he was a guy you definitely wanted on your team. Yeah. And you played him every week uh, because he put up points. I don't know. We're getting into an interesting point with fantasy football and whether that makes any difference in people's opinions of players. Um, because once we start getting some younger folks in there with, on, on the voting committee, a lot of the, the Peter King generation of guys is stating out here. King himself says he's probably going to not be voting on Pro Football Hall in like five years. Um, so we're going to have a big switch over. And it's going to be interesting to see how things like fantasy football are going to influence people's decisions when it comes to voting. Yeah, and, uh, and if they do, that's something will help him out. Yeah, and it, uh, I'm, I'm of the belief that it shouldn't be factored in because I think there's a lot of people who look at fantasy football stats and then just assume that a player is better than they are or worse than they are because of that. Having said that, right. uh, with, with Sproles, you know, like I, I, I'll, I'll go back to that, you know, the 8,000-plus uh, yards from scrimmage, but also the fact that when he did set that record with the, set that mark with the Saints, that's currently the single season record. So mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know talking like who's got the most rushing yards, who's got the most receiving yards in a season. Well, this is the most yards, period, and it doesn't get enough right. play. Right, it, it just never yeah, does. Yeah, I right. never understood it. No, it doesn't make sense. It yeah, it it seems like. You're trying to gain as many yards as possible. If you have something to do it multiple ways, why are you discounting it just because it's doing it multiple ways? Mm-hmm. And it was so. especially with with the with the, with the way things are on kickoffs now, that might be a pretty hard hard mark. Not impossible. But that's going to be a hard one to catch. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the other people here on the list below him. Uh, how do you feel about Frank Gore? By the way. Ooh, man, that that because could... Frank Gore's Frank Gore is seventh on the all-time list. Frank Gore, and he's what third third yeah. in rushing yards. The ultimate compiler. Uh, he's going to be someone who's going to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but what'll always sort of be a struggle for him is every time he's he's there, no matter like he'll he'll always make that finalist list, but it'll be so easy to come up with five players who are also finalists who are better than him. Hmm. How about how about Steve Smith, who's ninth on this list? He's up for the first time. Oh no, he retired sixteenth, so he'll be up for the first time two in next you know two years from now. Hmm. I feel stronger about Frank Gore than Steve Smith. But interesting, yeah. Uh, although you know, because there's just something. I mean, I do respect the hell out of Frank Gore's longevity. Having said that, has there ever been a point where you ever thought that Frank Gore was among the top six, seven running backs in the league? I don't think I ever did. Yeah, it's, there might have been a time, but he, it didn't especially spring to to mind until he ended up in Buffalo this year. And yeah, I looked at it for he's in the division for the first time. And I looked at his uh, yards. I'm like, holy crap, when did he get there? Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, he was out in San Francisco for a long time, and it just, the San Francisco teams, well, he was there the Super Bowl year, but a lot of those teams were particularly good. Um, so it was, he, he kind of got lost uh, over on the East Coast. But yeah, he never really was like, hey, he's uh, he's definitely a first bat Hall of Famer. That never occurred to me at all. So, yeah, Having said that, I'd rather have Steve Smith on my team, if that makes any sense, but I think Frank Gore has the better Hall of Fame shot. Yeah, I mean that, that that may be true. The last one, just by the way, in the top fifteen or top fourteen here is uh, Herschel Walker. You think he'll ever have a shot? No, but he should. I mean, he's, he's he's most famous for a trade that lodged the Cowboys dynasty, which is definitely not his fault. No, of course not. But, it, but you know that's the other thing too. We I don't think we've ever talked about this ever. Is it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily. Nor does it say it's the NFL 
Hall of Fame. If Herschel Walker doesn't go into the USFL and spend the first three year, years of his career for the New Jersey Generals, are we talking about him as a Hall of Famer? And you can't, I can't discount when I talk about Herschel Walker, what he did in the USFL. That's interesting because that, that literally never gets brought up. Because I remember, I mean, both Jim Kelly and Warren Moon were QBs in the USFL. And I remember highlight tapes of their time in the USFL was their part of their highlight package when they got in the hall. That was an important part of their careers. But you're right, Herschel Walker just, it's almost evaporated. You think of him as the guy the Cowboys traded and anything before that was kind of irrelevant. Yeah, because he is first, uh, what, did, what did he do? I think it was like, I'm going to look that up. It's something like 2,500 yards or something. Something sick. Wow. So let's look that up here while, while we're sort of going through that. But yeah, because like that's somebody who I think is is getting a real, like, just... And actually, it's funny you bring that up. First thing I type up, Herschel Walker, the first word that comes up is trade. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Because that's, that's the first thing anyone thinks of. Let's see. Over the course of his USFL career, Walker had 5,562 rushing yards. And that was so for three years. So let's say that league is, I don't know, 70% is good. So then mm-hmm. that would have been, let's say you add like three thirty five hundred yards to, to to his total. So that would have put him at eleven eleven five. Yeah, and then uh, we're over ten thousand. There we are. Right, he's eleven five, and if you put another thirty five hundred yards on his on his all time uh, yardage thing, he ends up. Ahead uh, of Sproles and Emmett Smith, he ends up at fourth with another thirty five hundred yards plus whatever he, counting and receiving or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, plus whatever he would have done receiving. So, like for that, I mean, that's just something where he gets just completely obliterated when it comes when it comes to like historical context. Yeah, yeah, it's just there was an interesting name where I was looking at that all time. Uh, Yards, so you can go all the way down and get real in the weeds with you know Tiki Barber and Wes Welker mm-hmm. and other interesting people further down. But yeah, Herschel Walker was just the last. One. I was like, that's actually an interesting case that I've never really heard anyone debate. Oh, okay. So um, here, here I'm looking at it. Uh, so I, I was I, I was slightly wrong. I thought he had like 2,500 yards in his rookie year. It was 2411 in his third and final year of the USFL. Now, granted, at that point, I'm sure that like that that was that was when the league was dying. But still. If you're sort of if you're sort of taking right. some of that in consideration, he also got another. So here's his USFL receiving, uh, one thousand four hundred eighty-four yards. That's a lot of yards. There you go. So give him seventy percent of that. It's called another thousand. So now we're adding forty-five hundred to everything. And with forty-five hundred, he moves up into second behind. Or sorry, third. Jerry Rice, Brian Mitchell. Herschel Walker, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith. So, yeah, I, those three years probably killed him, and the trade, and it's and and not just the trade. The Cowboys being so successful after the trade, and, and the Vikings being the Vikings. <laughs> and you know they never held that against Eric Lindros in hockey. No, I, yeah, no, they didn't hold that against Eric Lindros in hockey. But Eric Lindros was supposed to be the greatest thing ever. Uh, and his career was ended early by concussions, so he gets uh, like a little bit of of the hype on the front end and the the uh, the sympathy on the back end. Whereas Walker gets ignored on the front end and remembered for something that had nothing to do with him on the back end. So it's it, it's a little bit different context mm-hmm. in those two situations. Yeah, so then that's one thing that I wish sort of like the Pro Football Hall of Fame because uh, I. I've never, I don't, I'm trying to even remember because it's been a while since I've been there. If they've even got something that acknowledges the USFL in the building, I think they do. I, yeah, I, I was there. I was there when I was dating my girlfriend before my wife. So that was 2005. So it's been a while since I've been there. I'm trying to remember. If I, if I can't remember, it's either not there or it's not very big. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that's sort of that's sort of, that's sort of my take on that. I think Herschel Walker sort of like the most. Uh, I don't say misunderstood. That's not the word I'm looking for. Is someone whose full resume is just left out. Right. Where yeah. maybe a bit of Sam Mills too, but even but not not nearly to that degree. But Sam Mills became a finalist. Yeah. He did become a finalist this year, so I don't know if he'll ever get through, but he is he's at least there, which is more than you can say for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. You can't, can't get in if you're not a finalist. Uh, this is true. Uh, as, as, as Wayne Gretzky always said, uh, he missed every shot he never took. Of course, that's how it comes right. off in print. When you hear him talk, it's like, you know, it's like you take a shot, eh? And then, you know, it's like, uh, it's, you, you put the puck in the net, and if I don't, like, take the puck and shoot, you know, then it's not going to go in the, in the goal. And, there, and there's no I in team. But there's a me. There is. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's my impression, actually, of every Canadian hockey player. Mm. They're all pretty much the same impression. That, that was, it was convincing. <laughs> Thanks. I, I really nailed that one. I don't know what it yeah. is. I don't know what it is about hockey players. Like great, great people, a lot of fun. But as soon as you put a camera in front of them, my God, they lose a hundred IQ points and a thousand, a thousand points of being interesting. Right. That's why so. I love. That's why I love the NBA. They just don't care. <laughs> that is true. They do not. That's why I love and it. I mean the whole the whole Greek freak uh, beard. Uh, rivalry that's going right now. I don't know if you saw that. Team Giannis. The last couple of days, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Team Giannis because he actually has heard of defense. Right. Yeah, I, I am too. But it, I did watch the draft for uh, the uh, NBA All Star team, and I did think that was funny. It's like I need someone who plays defense, and so he did pick uh, the beard, and so uh, that was that was kind of a funny piss. So yeah, and just the uh, the idea that uh, that Giannis somehow isn't good at basketball because he's taller than than Harden is kind of dumb. So it's, it's, Sean Bradley was also very tall, and that did not help him. Sean Bradley, probably the worst cast of the Monstars. Oh yeah, definitely. That's I, I still watch that back. It's like okay, you, you really took his talent. <laughs> what talent? Yeah. He was tall. I mean, George Murasad should have, you know, George Murasad already looked like a bot star. <laughs> so. Was, wasn't, uh, he, wasn't he in, a, in that film with Billy Crystal? Uh, was that My Giant? Was yes. That, thing, that one? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was even in some, some deodorant commercial or something. Hmm. Well, good for him. I hope. Yeah, it was just a missed casting opportunity. So, speaking of people who don't, by the way, get uh, get uh, mentioned much for the Hall of Fame. Did you you said something about uh, Congress was pushing somebody this week for the, the baseball? Yeah, uh, for baseball, somebody who I'm really really big on, especially if we look at the word fame. Uh, so, Congress, uh, I don't know if this is accurate. That seemed a little bit high from what I was reading. That said that 102 members of Congress. I can't imagine get them getting 102 members of Congress to agree on anything, but I'm pumped. No, okay, I don't know. Uh, where they were signing signing something to uh, for Kurt Flood to be considered for the Baseball Hall of Fame because that era's committee is coming up. Right, um, and and the basis for Kurt Flood, uh, honestly, is is the labor relations impact more than anything else, and the standing up for right. Basically, it was his case, even though he lost it, uh, that forced the Major League Baseball to free agency. It basically created free agency throughout sports. Um, and Marvin Miller finally got in posthumously this year. Uh, Marvin Miller, of course, the lawyer who destroyed Hall of Famer Buey Kuhn because Buey Kuhn was a uh, commissioner. And as you know, the bar for commissioners is actually underground in order to get in to any Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's um, so true. But uh, with Marvin Miller getting in, it makes sense for Flood, who was the actual player who was willing to stand up and say, I'm not getting traded to Philadelphia, 
forget this, uh, to to go in. But I mean, in terms of numbers, I I don't really think there's much of an argument. But in terms of the impact, uh, that's that's where you're coming in with the Hall of Fame for him. Huge, and and I think I think if he doesn't get in at some point in time, he's somebody who I think they should really have, or at least the union should come up with some kind of award in his honor. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure well, it's coming up. It's got to be coming up about fifty years since he did this, uh, right? Let's see, yeah, because it was December '69 where he refused the trade. Okay, so yeah, we're already over fifty years. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I mean, at, at that point, I mean, that's that it. Sh- there should be something honored by the union. Why they haven't done that, I think, is a bigger travesty than Kurt Flood not being in the Hall of Fame. Every time somebody signs a free agent deal, they should be on their knees thanking Kurt Flood. Agreed. And, and not just not, and not just uh and not just a baseball player. All free agents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. I, I and again, that's the basis for Floyd because if you're looking at like the similarity scores and stuff, he's the fort according to War, he's the 43rd best uh, center fielder. His the people who he's similar to batters are Jimmy Pearsall, uh, Gary Maddox, Lou Pinella as a baseball player, um, Dave Martinez, uh, the awesomely named Whitey Lockman. Like none of those guys are Hall of Famers. Randy Wynn. Um, so he's suitable uh, again, war is not to be all end all, but just in terms of the company you keep in that sort of area, none of those players are people who we be putting in the hall. So just solely based off of, of overall performance, he's a 293 hitter. He hit like 85 homers in 13 seasons, had like 600 some odd RBIs. It's just not there, but his impact is on, uh, on sports in general, the whole sports landscape of the country is completely undeniable right and, that, and that's why i think he's not gonna even even if they do sort of nominate him put him on that list i don't see him getting through i but again i'm sort of imploring the union to come up with some kind of award uh i don't know so, something involving selfless acts or i know they already do what's the baseball word for philanthropy the, the baseball word for philanthropy yeah like their version of the walter payton award or is there one? Oh, that's a good question Let's look that up. Baseball's version. Of I mean, there may not board. be. I should know this, but I don't. Uh, that was an unhelpful search. I mean, I almost want to think it's uh, the, the, the Roberto Clemente. Yeah. Uh, the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award. Is given to for outstanding on field performance. Okay, so there's there should be there, what's another award, you know, at this point, or how it could even be something internally. Uh, give it to the player who signed the signed the most overrated con, or overpriced contract and <laughs> and completely did didn't deliver. Uh, you can almost rename it to what the Mike Hampton or something. <laughs> the Bobby Bonilla. Um, Bobby Bonilla, yes. Well, he already has a day. He has his own day. He doesn't need an award. That is true. June 1st, every year, Bobby Bonilla Day. Isn't it He's July like, 1st? Uh, what? Isn't it July 1st or is it June 1st? Oh, I'm sorry. It's July. You're right. It is July 1st. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, it's, um, because I'm that, a Canadian. That, it's either Canada Day or Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, I don't know how much, there aren't that many more Bobby Benitez days left, though. I think he's down, yeah, I think he's under 10 now. It just means we're old. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and um, him, he gets paid $1.19 million every July 1st through 2035. Oh, no, we still got, we still got 15 more years of Bobby Benitez days. I, th- I think let's let's uh, you know for this for the 2020 recipient of the Kurt Flood Award is Bobby Bonilla. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah. So Major League so. Union, if you won't do something, we will. <laughs> uh, we could go cross. We could go cross sports with it too. We really could. So. Except yeah, except except in football, like the... except in football, where nothing's guaranteed. That's true. That is true, but. Yeah, we, we there there are some 
head scratching uh, contracts out there still, even in sports that have salary caps. Although I don't know, did you see the uh, that big uh, news in football announcing today with the Tony Romo getting seventeen million dollars a year? Yeah, I just for, <laughs> to be a commentator. Well, hey, if you can get it, I mean, I, I do think yeah. he's a great commentator. Uh, I I don't know that any commentator is worth seventeen million when you're not broadcasting all that much. But hey. I mean, but they they did pay they paid one point oh three billion for the rights for next year. So when you're looking at it that way, seventeen million dollars for a commentator is basically your marketing budget, which is essentially what the commentators being anyway. So. And and people now like Tony Romo. Yeah, he's. I feel he's definitely more popular as a uh, as a announcer than he ever was as a player. But he was a good. He was a good. He was a good player who just was a little misunderstood. Got a crappy label. Dating Jessica Simpson didn't help him at, at one point in time. There was he, also drop also dropping uh, extra point. Uh, extra points holds also did help either. It, no, it, so. it, it did not, but I always thought he was a better player than he got credit for. Probably true. Yeah. Of course, I don't, I, so. we're, not putting, we're not getting a bust in, in there for Canton Bay, but you know what? Maybe he'll make it in as a broadcaster. He very well may. Who knows? But hey, as Bob Uecker said, he, uh, Bob Uecker career 211 hitter, uh, when he got the Hall of Fame with the with the broadcast award for baseball, said that he was always upset he didn't uh, get it as a player first. So, <laughs> well, he also said too a few times if he was any good, then he wouldn't have a career. If he was like a two fifty <laughs> hitter, if he was a two fifty hitter, <laughs> he just wouldn't be the same guy. Right. Exactly. So, so uh, got a couple uh, other things I, I wanted to sort of like bounce off you. Uh, one I don't expect too much because it's a wrestling thing. The Bella Twins—they're going to the WWE Hall of Fame before the men that they dated, John Cena and Daniel Bryan. Thoughts, or we don't really care too much. I, I, it does. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'm a wrestling I fan. Mean, we, and I don't we, care. We, we sort of talked about it last week. Yep. Um, you, you were anticipating this happening. Uh, and, I mean, the other two guys are still fairly active within the WWE, aren't they? I mean, well, Cena's not become a movie star, um, but he there's the possibility he could come back in. And Daniel Bryan, uh, he was active at least a couple years ago. So I watch I watch Royal Rumbles every year, mm-hmm. so I know he was in that a few years ago. But I he's he's not more than he still go, is he still going or did he go to another league? No, he's he's still another. going. Uh, Cena is apparently going to be at WrestleMania. Yeah, so I mean, if they're still going, they can't necessarily put them in. But are the Bella Twins apparently are not still going. They're not. No, uh, it doesn't look. But you know, then they can always come back. I mean, they've had people who were retired and then came back for. Actually, the the current champion right now is a Hall of Famer, and Bill Goldberg. Yeah, I saw that. So fifty-seven-year-old Goldberg. Yeah, who wrestles three-minute matches and he can't do any of it. Looks fantastic, but he he just. He can barely move. Mm-hmm. Says me, who can barely do anything. But that's another story, and I'm not paid to do it. True. But I, I thought this yeah. was sort of uh, the biggest news, really, of the week. Or it's going to be. Maybe not here, but it will be uh, down the road. The The English Premier League will be doing a Hall of Fame. They're going to put two people in this year. We don't know who they are, but there's actually going to be an EPL Hall of Fame. Well, here, let's let's play the game. I mean, I'm I'm a relative newcomer to the EPL, uh, but I I know a little bit of the history. Uh, how into EPL are you? I'm probably a little bit behind you. Uh, now that I've lived now that I live in the Caribbean, it's uh, it's a far more bigger soccer country, and a mm-hmm. lot of people here follow the EPL. I'm now available to sort of watch it on Saturday and Sunday mornings, whereas years before I wasn't. Yeah, I, I used to watch EPL um, kind of uh, whenever it was on, and it's on a lot more than it, than it used to be when we were younger. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to see the games. Um, but the the year that really got me into it was Leicester. It was that 2015 running right. the, the championship out of nowhere. 
Uh, and so I, I, the only the only international soccer team before that I truly cared about was River Plate in Argentina because I lived down there. I went to games. Uh, I love the team I actually used to get, El Grafico, which is the Argentine soccer newspaper sent to me in Massachusetts um, for years. Um, so I care a lot about River Plate. But EPL was more, hey, it's fun to watch. They're really good games, but I don't really feel anything except a deep hatred for Chelsea. Um and now, uh, with I now I'm, I'm an unabashed Leicester fan. I hope for I hope they do well in everything. Um, and uh, the, the fact they're you know up in third this year makes it makes me feel pretty happy about everything. Um, so I'm I'm I've been really in on EPL for what now five years now. Um, and uh, and it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's. Who, do you have any inklings of who you think the two people are going to be? Because I have two from what I can tell, leading candidates. Um, but there's at least debate as to who they should be. Do you have anyone in mind? Well, I mean, I just know who's been the most popular, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the mo- they're the best because I, I feel like I'm too much of a novice to really sort of go beyond uh, thinking of Beckham and Rooney. But I'm thinking that's, that can't be – that there's people I'm just yeah. glossing right over. And I'm, I know that there are. But those are the two yeah, – whenever I, I think of soccer in the last 15 years – in England, those are the two names that I think of. First and second. I don't think Beckham and I don't think Rooney maybe is a. I mean, if they're going to do two this, if they're going to do two every year, let's just say they did that. I don't think that's what they're necessarily going to do, but let's just say they did two every year. I think it would take Rooney five to six years to get in, and I don't know how long it would take Beckham to get in. Um, I, I mean, I think the the most obvious person clearly, and the, the best class is I kind of looking at it that they could do is the number one for me has to be Alan Shearer. He's the all-time goals leader in EPL history. He's 52 ahead of second place. So if you're, it's basically, it's basically putting, you know, the all-time, it's like you're starting a new hall of fame in hockey. You start with Wayne Gretzky. I'm not sure he's necessarily the best player, but he's the guy who has all the points and all the goals and everything else. It's the same thing I think with the CPL. I think I think Alan Shearer has to be one of them. Uh, the others, the second one, um, you can make arguments for John Terry. You can make an argument for uh, Eric Cantona. Uh, but I think I think Thierry Henry uh, is the second one who I would probably put in out there. And I also think it would be good having with the way the EPL has developed, having someone who is a native-born English player. And someone who's not native-born English player, preferably of of a non-white background. Does that make sense? It does. It does. In, uh, in, in terms of in yeah. terms of just making a statement with how racially charged uh, British soccer was for quite a while, or English soccer was for quite a while. In their press release, so. they were very specific that they would be honoring accomplishments in just the EPL, and they made a right. they made a sentence. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what it said, but just for, for basically domestic and international players. So that's clearly on their radar, or at least uh-huh. that's the image they want to put out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would certainly make sense no matter what happens. There's going to be a lot of people debating that. I was reading a couple articles like where there's some people who are upset about it because they're saying it's going to take away from the English Soccer Hall of Fame. Competition's perfectly fine. I, I don't see why that would be an issue. There's a U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. It doesn't take anything away from the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you know, I mean, there's the songwriters, there's the songwriters Hall of Fame and the Rock Hall. Those are two completely separate things, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you do a good job with your hall and you're transparent, and you and you put attractions which make people want to go, you're going to do well. One of the one of the best right. run ones that I'm seeing lately is the Country Music Hall of Fame. You know, they're working really hard on bringing exhibits. They're always promoting it. They're always talking about it. I can't I can't say that I've paid a whole lot of attention as to who should be in. It's not really my genre or cup of tea, but I see, you see press releases all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, I, if I'm next time I'm ever in Nashville, I'll go. Which I've, I've been. Be it's, first, pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. should be the first time I've ever yeah. been in Nashville, but that's another story. Na- Nashville is fantastic. Nashville is, I was there for a conference three or four years ago, um, and Nashville is one of my favorite cities in the U.S. 
it's just it's just an un- incredible place to go. But there's a Hall of Fame there, so you knew I had to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I mean I'm from Massachusetts. We didn't have a country station until I probably a few years ago. Uh, there, there was, it's just not a thing, but it was just great going there and seeing all the, the Willie Nelson and, the and Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton and like all the people who I knew, plus finding out about some people I knew nothing about, uh, and getting into it. it uh, I have to say the country hall is really, really well done. So, so. In, Bo- in Boston, when they announce a song by Boxcar Willie, is it, they say, uh, Boxcar Willie? First of all, that sentence has never actually occurred. Uh, but second, <laughs> it would be it would be bo- bo- Box Scott Willie, yeah. So I don't how, I don't know how, to, I don't know how that was any different than what I said. Clearly, it was. No. I insulted the, your your no, Bostonian. No, 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 no I, I, I was agreeing with you. Okay. You're, you're pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Well, was, yeah. I, like I said, like I said, I grew up there. Uh, my mom's an English teacher from Illinois, so anytime I said wicked, I got the look of death. <laughs> but I'm I'm much I'm much better at the Kennedy accent than the Boston accent. So, ciao da. It's a uh, uh, Next up on the uh, this year uh, radio station uh, will uh, be Box uh, Boxcar Willie. Wow. So Mayor Quimby is a very Joe Quimby is a very good uh, a very good Kennedy cousin. Diamond Joe. Diamond Joe. So you got you got time for yeah. one more question. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so it's one. It's uh, something that we always originally going to talk about before, but uh, uh, I didn't put it on the docket. But I think we we've, we've gone through uh, this a little bit quicker the, than than I thought, and I really wanted your take on this. I read something in uh, the New York Post, and it, the piece was talking about how about uh, Bob Bourne, Bob Nystrom, uh, players who were in the Islanders dynasty that will never get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And so mm-hmm. this guy was trying to, uh, and, I, and I forget the name of, of, the, of the journalist, so my apologies to him. He, uh, but he was sort of promoting the idea of having teams in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, I personally hate it. I don't really do that in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and it doesn't really make, make a whole lot of difference other than those people who were in it, who were on those teams. Uh, he used also as reference the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, but it's also that's a different animal, and that's more promoting big moments in the history of that sport for that country. Right. Uh, I'm against what he proposes. I, I get his point, but I, I hate the idea. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. If we put on all the Islanders or teams, or I guess the Islanders won four in a row there, are we putting each individual team on? Because then other people get left out. So if we're doing each individual team. He didn't say. And if we're putting... But if we're putting the Islanders in, uh, doesn't that basically mean that every Canadian who ever played from like 1950 through 1969 has to be in the Hall of Fame? He kind of left that out. I mean, that, that, that's the door you're opening. We already have half of the Canadians in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that in any sort of salty manner as a Bruins fan. Um, but there's just like all those teams are super well represented. And yeah, there are some great players on any team who are never going to get in for one reason or another. I mean, as a Patriots fan, it drives me crazy how many of the teams the Patriots beat are going to have way over the last twenty years got way more Hall of Famers than the Patriots are out of this dynasty. I mean, I love Teddy Bruschi more than anything. Teddy Bruschi is my second favorite Patriot of all time, behind Brady because we're required to have Brady. But Teddy Bruschi is never going to sniff the Hall of Fame, even though he was the heart and soul of that first dynasty. Mm-hmm. Like, he was Mr. Patriot. He went to four Super Bowls, won three of them, survived a stroke, and was is basically probably the most beloved retired guy in Boston, at least on the young side right now. I mean, Russell is still probably number one, uh, but but or is around too. But in terms of guys who retired in the last few years, uh, it's, it's, it's Brewski and David Ortiz. So, uh, but he's never getting in, but it's, it's, and it sucks for me as a Patriots fan that he's never getting in, but that doesn't mean he necessarily deserves to be there. There are, I mean, if bossy is in other guys on the main guys, those teams are in, it's silly to try and put like the backup goaltender in just because he happened to be on the team. Yeah, I think the way he wrote that was anyone who was with the team for all four of those years, and I think he singled out 16 players, 
Uh, so then essentially now you're going into the thing where you've got double inductees, which then raises all sorts of interesting questions. And either way, I think we both agreed, completely waters it down. Uh, he referenced two other teams, uh, the U.S. hockey team 1980 and also the Soviet Red Army. Conveniently left out Team Canada Summit Series 1972. But that's what I'm here for. To remind Canada plays about. hockey? Yeah, yeah, uh, we're pretty good at it. Yeah. Not myself personally. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I, it's not even celebrated that much in, like when the U.S. Dream Team went in, in for 90, the 92 Dream Team in basketball, nobody paid attention. Right. So if you're, and who's, who, who, who did that put in? So Christian Leitner is in the Basketball Hall of Fame, not for his college accomplishments, but he's in for his, what, mop-up work? And, and what, an yeah. 80-point win over Angola? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! I went, in high school, we had a really bad team in our league, and because of that, I, in soccer, I got to play the whole game. And we dominated the game because uh, they rested all the best players, and I got called scholarship offers off of that. So I'll let you know. I could have gone to Muhlenberg College right, on the full ride if I wanted to, um, but that didn't make me a good soccer player. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, we, I, think we, I, I don't know what else we have to say. I think we both just agree it's, it's dumb. Right, so we'll leave at one point. If, if they ever went that route, and – Let's hope they never do. What would be the team you'd put in first? That's interesting. Um, I mean, those those fifties, those fifties uh, Canadian teams are ridiculous. Um, I know Toronto would clearly be clamoring for the seven, uh, sixty-seven Maple Leafs. Um, I mean the the team that stands out the most probably of my of my lifetime in terms of like that was a team was the '94 Rangers, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure whether that was just because they broke such a long curse and, and Messier leading that team and everything, or or it was actually that team was that good. Um, the Oilers teams of Gretzky and Curry and Coffee and those guys that those teams were fantastic. I don't know. I, where would you start? I uh, go international, and it's either it's one one A and one B. Uh, Nineteen eighty USA Olympic hockey team uh, with the most incredible upset of all time, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's still that's still really I think the whole a huge springboard for U.S. hockey. And then in seventy two, the Canada the Canada team in the Summit Series, which for us helped sort of cement us as a country because sports will right. do that. And that was yeah. the, that was huge. And then third, the Red Army, because you, you 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 need the villain. You need Drago. Right, but uh, I didn't. I don't think that's what I thought the question was. I thought we were talking NHL teams. Oh, I just meant team. Period. Oh, okay. Well, go, go do it the other way. What NHL team are you taking? Because that that's what I thought the question was. Okay, so this guy put it as a dynasty. So. If we were just, if I were to sort of look at it as a dynasty, it'd be the Oilers dynasty of the eighties. Okay. And that all that really does, though, in terms of who that would add, uh, Kevin Lowe, I think, is like one of the biggest names that w- that would have been part of it. Who isn't uh, a Hall of Famer? Probably shouldn't be. Pretty good player, though. Really good defenseman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, it'd be, it'd, it'd be those Oilers. Uh, they they changed better for worse. They they changed that. Uh, in some ways, I think in terms of uh, just fun to watch. Although I don't know what that represents in hockey. The Broad Street Bullies of the seventies. Yeah. Okay. Like and, yeah, I mean yeah, the the, and that, the Broad Street Bullies, uh, the Phillies. Yeah, the the Flyer teams are. Are an interesting one. How do you feel about the early seventies Bruins teams? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot there. I mean, you, again, you just 
you, you could you could build a whole wing just for Bobby Orr and ju- and, and, ju- and just that that uh, great statue. Just some score of just scoring yeah. against uh, was it St. Louis, I believe. Yeah, the Blues. So I mean, that's the one the one sports thing I have hanging in my house is the picture of Bobby Orr flying through the air. My sister actually got a sign to me um, saying, uh, "Evan, good luck and everything." Unfortunately, it says that I never actually met the man. Uh, but it, that's still one of the cool things I hope. So. Also, was signed by Bobby Bonilla, not Bobby Orr. Well, I mean, I did have to. I do have to pay him every July first for it. So <laughs> nice. All right, so I'm sure we'll got some, some things will always come up for next week. And Evan, as always, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully, we can go back on the Thursday unless there's another D and D show. Uh, there should be another D&D show for a while, but yeah, I'll, uh, next Thursday we should be good. Well, and, 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 and who knows, maybe we'll be talking about a new MLS song. That could be. That could be. Well, MLS, that's starting up uh, now, isn't it? Yeah, it's starting now, and this is their 25th season, and I kind of feel if you've been around, you can't really start a Hall of Fame until you've been around for at least 25 years. I feel like you need at least that much time to start. I'd agree. Um, so. So I feel, I feel they can at least start talking about it. And if the EPL is going to do it, I don't see why MLS wouldn't. So Why not? Why not indeed? And, and, to, and, to, and, and uh, you know, hats off to MLS. There was, a, there was a lot of people who were doubting that at the beginning. And, and here they are. That's yeah. str- a strong number five. I'm not sure they're number five. I think NASCAR in large forces country is still the fifth sport. Think so? But they are a strong number six. Yeah, I think I think NASCAR. I'd have to look at the ratings, but my guess is NASCAR ratings dwarf uh, MLS ratings. Okay. Uh, but of course, but in NASCAR, there's only one event every week, and in MLS, they're spread out all over the country. So it, that's a little, you'd have to kind of compile it to see what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I would say I'd say NASCAR is five, but. The soccer is closing in. Although the MLS said a couple of days ago that they expect to take overtake baseball as the fourth sport shortly. So we'll see. I, w- I wouldn't even put baseball as number four in the U.S. Where do they have hockey then? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean it's clearly football, basketball, one, two, and then there's a, there's a. Uh, big skip down to three, which I still think is baseball, and four being hockey. So, hmm. and twenty-seven being curling. Ah, <laughs> uh, curling. Yeah, I have a I have a shirt that says "Still young enough to be a professional curler." That I wear on a fairly often, a fairly regular basis. So. I, I, I told you I used to actually, actually I interviewed her for the show uh, a, a friend of mine I used to work with uh, who was uh, just like one stone away from making the Olympics oh, wow yeah so uh, well actually I knew what I brought this up I started taking karate mm-hmm. um, and my karate instructor uh, and her sister actually had to battle each other out in Colorado Springs uh, about a month ago they both won their divisions, but there are more divisions and weight divisions in U.S. karate than there are in international karate. So they had to fight each other after they won their divisions, and her sister, her older sister by year one, her older sister is going to a tournament in Paris in May, and if she finishes the top three in that, she will make the U.S. national karate team, the first one ever to go to the Olympics, because karate is going to the Olympics for the first time this year. Yeah. So, Pro- Providing that there is an Olympics this year. Right, there's Olympics, but you know, the, the, if the stock market is any education, everything's fine. Well, Trump so. says everything's going to be fine. There's nothing to worry about, so I believe him. It's, it's all a hoax, but I mean, I mean, and the market agrees. It only dropped 2,600 points this week. So. Oh, that, that's it. I mean, it's, once it gets to 5,000, then so. Yeah, well, I mean, it almost did worse. It was down 1,000 points today. With uh, 15 minutes remaining, in the last 15 minutes, it rallied up 700 points somehow. Um, so otherwise, we'd be like over 3,000 loss in a week, basically 10% of the market in a week. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's an interesting time outside the islands. 
<laughs> beyond this 30 yeah because when i drive across the country it takes me a half hour just putting it in that perspective yeah a half hour barely gets me to the next uh, town out out here in uh, illinois how big everything is so <laughs> nice all right well anyway. so thanks again and we'll uh, chat soon yeah, take care man right. bye bye